Good morning. It's good to see everybody here today and worshiping together. We're continuing our January series, Invest in the Next. It's, it's like we're having a family meeting, pulling up into the living room and just talking about what God's doing in our church family and, and how we can best prepare for that over the course of this year. And so we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, if you want to go ahead and find your way there. The first week in the series, we talked about spiritually healthy leadership and some of the things to be praying about towards that end. And last week, we talked about spiritually healthy families and some of the commitments to be praying about uh, to that end. And today, we're going to be talking about spiritually healthy stewardship or generosity. Um, as I was thinking about generosity, um, you know, there's, there's this reality, let's be honest, as we come uh, to God's Word and it talks about money uh, or generosity, that there's a lot of different approaches in an audience this size of, well, the preacher's always talking about money or, okay, I wish I'd have skipped this week or, man, I've experienced this, I love it, uh, this is encouraging to my heart. And um, I want to give you just an illustration to maybe just um, help us come with a posture of openness. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I don't do a lot on social media. I don't believe that I've actually made a, a post in about seven years. So, like, I really just get on there to clear notifications. But every now and again, something will catch my eye. And there was some videos. I guess the algorithm caught me. And it was these little videos that were coming up. And it was saying, if you were a kid of the 90s, then you will know about this or something like that. And I certainly am a kid of the 90s. And, um, and so I, but I was looking at it, and I just thought, there's no way that, that there's just so many people in the 90s. I, I, I just, there's no way that any of this is going to have any bearing on me or my experience growing up. But I just kept getting these videos, and so I finally clicked on one. And the lady says, if you grew up in the 90s, you had this alarm clock in your house. And she nailed me. <laughs> like, we had that alarm. Anybody have uh, you or your parents or somebody? Yeah. Is that not bizarre? Like, I don't know. That may still be sitting by my dad's bedside today. Uh, I, I don't know. But, and so the more that I would click on these videos, I would just find myself going, Man, this is true. They, 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 this is accurate of me. Um, there was one, you may remember, um, if that caught your eye, the McDonald's Happy Meal Halloween Buckets from the 90s. And she did one on that. And um, she did one on this tabletop game that I hadn't thought about in 20-something years. I apologize to those that you were born this side of the century. But it was a game called Crossfire. You remember Crossfire? They had the little, she played the commercials like, Crossfire, and I was like, "Whoa, I remember that so well." And but you know, it was one of those things where, as I saw her videos, I just kept thinking, "That's not." I mean, I grew up in that; I get it, but there's no way that's going to describe my experience. But once I clicked on it, now I just can't stop watching them because it's so true. Here is what I would say to you: If you're coming this morning and you're looking at the the notes and going, "Oh, great, we're talking about generosity." Or money. I, I would just say this. Would you just be open to allowing God to try to speak to your heart, pressing the video button and going, let me just see if this is true and applies to me. 
Because I, I remember actually um, when I was around college age somewhere, uh, maybe my junior year of college, and I'd come home to my home church, uh, whether it was for a holiday or the summer or something like that. And I remember an older gentleman standing up and giving a testimony. Um, and his testimony went something like this. He said, when I was in college, um, I was challenged to begin tithing. And he goes, I'd never thought about it. I kind of liked my money. I didn't see how we were going to make it work. But God just sort of put it on my heart to give it a go. And honestly, I've been tithing ever since, and God has taken care of my needs. And I remember hearing that as a college student. And, and it, though my parents had taught me about tithing and giving and generosity, it was like that moment God just stirred that in my soul. and was like, man, he's been doing this, and I won't wager a guess at how long I thought how old he was, but I thought he's been doing this for decades, and maybe I should start being intentional with my own generosity. And I pray that for someone maybe here today that God would invite you on that journey of trusting him in generosity through today's message. So with that, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Paul's writing and he says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through his will, or through us, will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. See, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is such an amazing passage on generosity. And just to give you a little bit of context, um, Paul um, was charged by the Jerusalem church to go and prepare and collect an offering from the Gentile churches in order to bring back to Jerusalem to minister to the poor in Jerusalem. And you actually see this, this sort of theme pop up in a couple of Paul's letters and in the book of Acts. And so Paul had already made a round one time letting people know about the, the offering that he was going to collect. And he said, I'm going to come back and we're going to make arrangements for collecting. And so he's actually sent a couple of 
uh, of his protégés to Corinth to help them prepare the offering. In fact, uh, the beginning of chapter 9, before I started reading, Paul um, even says, I have been bragging to people about how generous you guys are and the gift that you told me you were going to prepare. And then you sort of see the human side of Paul because then he says, and I have sent some guys there to make sure that everything's on track so that you're not embarrassed, I'm not embarrassed, and God's not embarrassed. So y'all work together to get the offering together. And so then he gives sort of a theology of generosity as a reminder to the Corinthians as they are finalizing the gift that they're going to give to Jerusalem. So with that, this morning, I'm going to cover, hopefully very quickly, three points about this generosity or this theology of generosity. Number one, Paul says there is an agricultural principle of generosity, an agricultural principle of generosity. And what he's saying is this, uh, right there in the very beginning, he says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. He's using a farming metaphor. He's saying the less seeds you throw out, the less grows into a harvest. But the more seed you throw out, the more that grows into the harvest. And he's saying here's the principle. In the same way that you are generous in giving, the less that you are generous, the less that God brings back in a harvest. But the greater your generosity, the greater the harvest. Here are three sort of subpoints to help us navigate that truth. Number one, there is a direct correlation between sowing and reaping. He says there's a direct correlation here. Um, you sow what you, or you reap what you sow. And so there's this idea that um, I'm not a math major uh, in any shape or form. But on the, on the surface level, when you give something away, you have less, right? Like that makes sense. When you give something away, you have less. And what Paul is saying the truth about God is, is that when you give generously, God returns generously. When we give generously, God will return generously. Now here is something very important. It's about the heart of giving and the why we're doing it. Paul is not saying here is your secret spiritual uh, IRA retirement plan. And he's not saying um, here is your plan to get that new better house or new better car. You give a little and then God will be obligated to give you better. That's, That's not what he is saying. What he's saying in this passage is this, and he describes it this way. He says that God will give you grace when you need it. And what he's saying is the grace or the gift of generosity. And then he will help you to be sufficient. He says you'll be sufficient in all your needs at all times so that you may abound in every good work. Now what he's saying is this. God will give you more than what you need so that you can be generous. And he will meet your needs after you've been generous, and even more so, so that you can be generous again. He's saying when you reap and sow, what you bring in, anything that is extra, God is saying, it is 
an opportunity for you to be generous again. There's a direct correlation. The second thing is this. God's grace is the source of our generosity. God's grace is the source of our generosity. You could say it this way. We can be generous because God has been gracious to us first. Chiefly in the fact that he gave us Jesus. The the most famous verse that you see at all the sporting events declares God's generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I mean, he was so generous to give us Jesus, to forgive us of our sin, that every time you or I come to him and ask for forgiveness, he is generous to heap upon us mercy and grace and forgiveness. And not only was he generous to allow us just not to go to hell, but to allow us to come into heaven as co-heirs with Christ. (laughs) And in fact, the book of James reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above. So even the material blessings, no matter how great or how little you and I have, is a generous gift from God. See, God is generous And we give as a reflection of his generosity to us. The third sub-point would be this. The harvest can be both material and spiritual. Uh, There's no getting around this passage saying that when we sow material generosity, that God will return to us material um, harvest so that we may be generous again and to meet our needs. But there is also a spiritual component here. He quotes Psalm 112, and he says he gives liberally, he's feeding the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures forever. You know, Jesus also talked about this. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where a thief can come and steal and a moth can eat and rust can erode it away, but instead store up for yourself treasures in heaven where there are no thieves, there is no moth, and there is no rust. And there's also this idea that when we give generously, that there is, it is an act of righteousness. It is an act of an overflow of who we are in Christ, and it is received as worship pretty amazing. There's this agricultural principle. But number two, there are guidelines for a giver. There's guidelines for the giver. Uh, In those verses marked there, it says, um, God um, does not want us to give um, out of compulsion. He wants willful, cheerful givers, which means this. If you're not going to be cheerful about giving, God says, don't, don't, don't bother. Um, He says it should be willful. This is a great freedom for me because, and hopefully for you, because I'm not up here trying to uh, guilt you into giving. Um, I'm not here to try to um, verbally just bash you over the head and go give. I just want to quote what Paul says, which is God's theology of giving, which is God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to be a willful 
giver. He doesn't want you to do it under compulsion. Here's a couple of subpoints here. A, God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, you've probably heard that before, but think about this for a moment. That there is something about when you and I are generous and are givers, that God's heart sort of swells with love and joy when we are generous. I, I, I think about, you know, the fact, I mean, I just said, you know, John 3.16, obviously God loves all people, that he would send Jesus for their salvation, that they would go from death to life in Christ. But we know that he loves his children and wants to give good things and blessings and discipline and all those things that he does for his kids. But there's sort of this extra level, I guess you could say, of love that God says, I love it when I see my kids being generous. For those who are parents in the room, doesn't it warm your heart when you see your child be generous, even sacrificially generous to another child or uh, you know, someone at school or a teacher. They just want to be giving. If that is true of us as earthly parents, how much more does it bring God joy and a love for those who are cheerful givers that belong to him? The second point under here is this. Generosity is a willful act not a compulsory act. It's a willful act, not compulsory. Scripture says that each one, each man is to determine in his heart what he is to give and then give it, to determine and to give. Um, This reminds me of another testimony that greatly impacted me. When I was in seminary, uh, living in Fort Worth, this was many years ago when Jennifer and I were first married, we were involved in a program where, um, for ministers where we were sort of being exposed to different ministries and people within the church. And I remember sitting down with this guy um, with a couple other ministers, and he was an accountant. And he was talking about church business, church budgets. And in the middle of that, he just said, look, but I will also want to talk to you about personal generosity. And this was his story. He said when he and his wife were first married, um, everything that they brought in they spent, and they actually spent even above what they brought in. And so not out of need or emergency, but just trying to achieve a certain lifestyle, they ended up in some credit card debt. And he remembered being in a service, someone standing up and saying, here is an area in which you can be generous. Uh, we ask you to pray about this. And he wanted to be generous. He wanted to give to whatever that initiative was, but he realized that he had made decisions where he could not be generous. He was not able to determine in his heart what to give and to follow through with it. And so I I tell you that just to say this, for some in this room and maybe watching online, you have a heart, God is saying, I want you to be generous, but because of the current state of your finances, for 2024, it may be that God is calling you to make sacrificial giving to debt service the priority So that when God taps you on the heart to give later, you have the freedom and ability to make a choice about what you will give and be able to follow through. Does that make sense? It's about saying, God, when you want me to be generous, I want to have the bandwidth 
to be generous. The third point here is this. He says generosity is determined by the giver. He says determine in your heart. The idea is this. As believers that they would pray and that God, his spirit would interact with their heart and that as a household or as a head of a household or whatever it may be, that they would determine this is how we will be generous. Now, I want to take just a moment because I don't want to take for granted that everybody here this morning understands how giving or generosity through the local church works. Um, and I understand, look, these principles of generosity are beyond just giving to the church. Um, I get that. Many of you are generous in many capacities, and, and, and this would be a part of that, especially if it is honoring the Lord and those type of gifts. But through Harmony Hill, um, there's a couple of ways. You can give through a giving envelope, um, which is in the seat backs in front of you. The guys are at the back holding bags every week. Or you can give online, uh, which is how my family does it. And so there's a couple of categories. I just want to let you know what those categories are for a moment. There's one that's just general. So if you don't designate it or say this is how, uh, where you want it to go, it goes into the general offering. And when you and I, we give to the general offering, it is a critical area in which to give because it is how we take care of the ministry that's happening here uh, on this campus and through the extension of our campus. So when you give to the general offering, that's helping do things. I'm just being straight honest. It's helping take care of the staff and their families and their salaries and all those kind of things. It's helping to keep the heat on. Barry, thank you for paying that bill this week, right, so that we can enjoy that. But it's much more than that because it is taking care of the supplies and the ministry to our kids that are taking place. Like when Jerry has kids over there or leaders over there and he has donuts, that came from general offering, but that's to encourage the leaders to have as much energy, at least a short burst, as the kids that they're serving that day. And it's the curriculum for our middle school and our high school, the, the material that they're going to get together and invest into the students. It's helping cover part of the cost of camps and Disciple Now, which is coming up at the end of next month. And it, it goes to missions, part of our budget. When you give to general offering, we take like a couple hundred thousand dollars over the course of the year and we give it away to resonate church planting, to um, to Niger, West Africa, to our other partners, uh, some of whom are here today, um, local ministries that we give to, the music, uh, the rights to play the music that we enjoy and worship. All these things cost money, unfortunately. Things like insurance for buildings and all those things. That comes through the general offering. There's another category, which is uh, we try to be real straightforward. It just says, new building. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, that's the new children's building, servicing the dead on that building. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a few more moments about the update of where we are and all those kind of things. But you can designate, say, hey, part of my generosity is going to go towards that debt service. Then there's really a third category, and it's missions. Um, this is so amazing to me, how much our church family gives to missions. So our general budget is already saying we're going to give X amount. But on average, about $90,000 comes in every year just from people putting dollars in the mission box or writing particular checks and saying two missions. I want these dollars to go to international missions. That's pretty amazing. 
And those are the three primary ways, at least at Harmony Hill, that we would encourage you to pray about and to determine in your heart and say, God, how do you want us to give this year? Maybe it's to one of those. Maybe it's to all three of those. Whatever it is that you would say, God, what would you have us to give? Help us to determine that in our heart, and then we'll be faithful to give it. That's the guidelines for the giver, and to do it cheerfully and not out of guilt and not going, I want Todd's kids to eat. I guess I'll throw this in there, right? But like cheerfully giving to the Lord because the third principle is this, the spiritual outcomes of generosity. There are spiritual outcomes that Paul lays out to our generosity. The first little subpoint there is this. Our confession about Christ is confirmed. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that before, but Paul says that when I take the gift that you've prepared to Jerusalem, they will know that you've put your money where your mouth is, that you walk what you talk. What you say you believe about the gospel of Christ, you affirm it. He's saying you have affirmation in your generosity to the truth of the belief that you have about Christ. I mean, it's this idea that to be generous, let's be honest, like rubber meets road, it is about faith. It's about faith. One of the guys I was reading this week um, in preparation said, look, when we are stingy, when we sow sparingly, we hold everything so tightly, our hand isn't open for God to be able to give us blessings. But when we are generous and our hand is open, then God can give blessings back. And there is a truth that our faith in Christ, that there is an affirmation, according to Paul, when we are generous. The second thing is this. God receives praise and glory. God receives praise and glory. Paul says that when you, your gift is received in Jerusalem, it will meet much more than a physical need, and it will overflow into praise and giving God glory. Let me just give you a very brief example of this for our church. A little over a year ago, a couple of the, the pastors, uh, myself included, went to Niger, West Africa, to our partner church, Grace Church, there in Niamey. And we had an opportunity to sit with their elders for a prayer meeting, these five men. And you know what they were doing and what they do every week? They pray for Harmony Hill Baptist Church. And when we walked into their worship center, or their worship, <laughs> that's, that's a little too grandiose. It's an outside amphitheater, um, and on the wall was a picture of those who have been on trips out there representing Harmony Hill, along with the mutual uh, agreement of prayer and support that we have hanging upstairs just out here. They had it on their wall, and they pray for us, and they give glory to God because of your generosity. See, when we sow bountifully, God's praise is multiplied by those who receive not just a physical gift, but they turn and give praise to God. The third thing here is that the church is unified. The church is unified. And he's not just talking about 
the Corinth church, and I'm not just talking about Harmony Hill, though there is something to be said that when a church is unified in a project or a, or a particular focus, there's unity that is bred from that. But he's talking about the global church, really, because he's saying those in Jerusalem will be praying for you. They will be longing for you. There will be a connection together. And hear me, that's no small point because it was a Jewish Christian church and Gentile Christian church, and they were struggling to find unity. And Paul's saying, by your gift, you will help breed unity between these two churches. When we give generously, God is praised, and the global church becomes a little bit more unified together. It's a pretty amazing thing. And then it ends, my favorite verse in verse 15. Let me just read it so I don't mess it up. It says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. After this theology of generosity, Paul comes right back around to say, and thank you, God, for the indescribable gift of Jesus. Because in everything, the gift of Jesus is the reason, is the motivation, is where we find joy, is where unity comes from, is where glory is made. is because of Christ's gift to us that leads to our own generosity. The last thing I want to do this morning is I want to just uh, for a few moments talk about the commitment card. And again, I just want to say if you're a visitor here today, uh, this particular application, um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not throwing this at you. I have no expectation of you. But if you consider Harmony Hill your church home, what I would ask is that you would take this card home, and this week you would pray and you would fast and ask God to determine in your heart what you might give. Particularly what we're asking about is the, the, the amount that you would give to the new building to pay off the debt of that building. I want to give you a quick update, and then I'm going to come back to that card. Um, I, have a, I have a little slide here. Last year, at this time, we asked the church family to make pledges of what they would determine to give, and you guys pledged $455,673. And to be honest, I was floored at that last year. I, I was floored at that. If I can just be transparent even more so is um, technically I wasn't even the, the pastor yet. That would happen like the next month. And the fact that in the middle of transition, God would provoke in this fellowship pledges for 455,000 plus. I, I was praising God. I was the one multi God was multiplying praise in. But then through December 31st, February 1st to December 31st, you actually gave $555,615, nearly $100,000 more than we had determined in our heart to give. That's unbelievable. And, and, and let me just say this, that when, when you've given that this year or last year, um, we were not done with the project over here. If you recall, there were no airplanes. There was no playground. We still had a lot of work to go. And because of your generosity, we did not take a single draw to increase the loan last year. We were able to pay everything to finish that project in cash. 
Amen. That's amazing. That is amazing. Not only that, but here is the current balance that we have on this building. It's around $2.8 million on a $6.5 million project. So while, yes, for many, if not most of us in the room, it's like, wow, that's, that's, a, that's still a big number. Think about, again, not a math major, but 6.5 minus that what God has already provided over the last couple of years through incredible economic uncertainty. Yet God has been faithful. And, and I will even say this, that number is what is on the bank statement, but we have about $100,000 that we just haven't written the check for for this month yet. So that's really about $2.7 million is what is remaining. Um, and not only that, but the elders made the decision to take an additional $96,000 out of uh, what you gave last year, which covers every interest payment for 2024, which means that every dollar given in this year will go towards the principal. I just want to say praise God for his generosity. And if you need an example, I, I'm being dead serious here. If you need an example of the truth of the theology of generosity that Paul just wrote to the Corinthians, I want to draw that line very clear. There are many in this room that you have lived generously as an individual or as a household, and God has been faithful to supply your need, and you have been faithful to continue to be generous, and I say thank you. But also our church, we have inherited a rich um, pattern of giving from Pastor John and the leaders that have come before us that we we spend on missions out of what is given by huge clips of money. And I believe that is the sowing bountifully. God's saying, I'll take care of your needs. And then I'll make sure that you can be generous as well. I look forward. Oh, you don't even know. I look forward to when that balance is zero. Not only because it's done, but because then I look forward to saying, okay, God. How can we now be generous towards other mission projects? Look, hear me. As we pay that building off, as, as, as Paul said, there are families who are glorifying God because of your generation to paying that building off. We had a baptism of a young lady last week, I believe, in this service. This morning we had a baptism of a student in the first service. Not to mention the countless number of families who are even maybe here, maybe you're one of them, because there were people that said generously, we want to invest in our kids. So with that, and I'm going to try to wrap up so that I, the nursery workers that are loving your children right now will, will still love me. But this card, next week, we're going to get together and we're going to have a time of commitment. I, I hope that you'll take one. I hope that you will take time to fast. If you're new to fasting, I've got a couple of notes there at the end of the LifePoint outline, but if you're new to fasting, here, here's what I want you to understand. It's more about connecting with the Lord than it is about food. If you've never fasted before, please do not go out to starting tomorrow and go, I'm going to fast every meal all week. That will last till I don't know, lunch. But I would encourage you maybe one meal a day. And, and, and when you would normally eat, have a time of prayer, read scripture, maybe play some worship music. It's about connecting 
to him. But for some of you, maybe what's reality, I want you to have a win with this. It's about humbling ourselves before God. Maybe you say, I will do one meal during next week. I'm going to take Thursday lunch, or I'm going to take Tuesday breakfast, or Friday dinner, and I'm going to fast and pray and spend 30, 40 minutes that I would normally be eating in prayer with the Lord. That would be a win to me. See, Jesus said um, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast, not if. He says, when you fast. And so this is an opportunity for us to connect with the Lord. I'll just give you this. Like for me, when I'm fasting, uh, when I have a hunger pang, I'm like, Lord, I heard that. Actually, everybody heard that. But God, that hunger pang reminds me that I live on more than physical bread. I depend on every word from your mouth. And, and I'll just think that for a brief second as the, the, the roar happens and then I'll move on. But it's just a constant reminder of, God, I'm depending on you. And then I would ask that sometime this week, you and your household get together and just fill this out and bring it next Sunday. There, there are things on here that you feel, you may feel like, ah, that doesn't really apply. That's okay, leave it blank. Uh, there may be, you may have something on everything. We, we have some things on the back. If you have children or, or students, they have some commitments that they can make about inviting friends and praying for friends. Just about, God, what do you have for us this year in 2024? And next week, I'm excited as we gather together to commit and to pray with one another and to worship him. That was a lot. I appreciate you hanging with me. I probably forgot something, so you may need to watch the first or the third service online to get it all, but I think that's the most of it. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and, and on behalf of those keeping the kids, um, um, I'm going to pray briefly. We're going to have a quick announcement video, and then please go get your kids for my sake. All right? Father, thank you. You're so good to us. Thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus. Lord, be with our families. Be with our households as we pray and fast this week, Lord, give us a connection with you. May we depend on you. And God, may we come next week ready to celebrate. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Check out the screens.